0: Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. Well, I'm I'm thankful uh, for this church. One of the privileges I get to do as the president of the college is to travel around to churches that are in partnership with us. And you are one of those, about 120 or 130 churches in the Pacific Northwest, including Alaska. And and I get to say thank you. Your partnership means a great, great deal for our mission of equipping a generation for uh, gospel impact through Christ's bride, specifically through the church. And you're a part of that. Your prayers go a long, long ways. Your financial support goes further than you can imagine. You help alleviate student debt scholarship dollars and various things. So, thank you. Thank you. I am thankful for Daniel. I know you are too. I'm not quite sure. He continues to peddle off bad jokes upon us, doesn't he? In light of the one today. Yeah, that was pretty bad, I guess, wasn't it? (laughs) You get it? Peddling off bad jokes. Yeah, that was... Just in a chain of bad jokes, right? We'll just keep it going here. <laughs> hey, there's a sweet spirit on the campus right now over in Boise. Uh, just a really good freshman class that the Lord has sent us that are aligned with who we are. And they're there on purpose and they're getting assignments turned in. It's been a real delight getting to know this freshman class and a real um, united Uh, spirit amongst the staff and the the vice president cabinet team I get to work with and the board. Just want to say thank you uh, for your prayers. I think God's been blessing the school and that's evident through the unity that we're sensing right now. So, um, okay, let's get into this. One of the things I've been doing in my life is I've been assessing my life rhythms of the last year, just uh, certain rhythms of my life, certain habits of my life. And it's been challenging to kind of be honest and to, get, and to assess and to kind of grade how I'm doing. A couple of lessons I've learned. One one lesson I've learned is I can give myself permission to slow down. I actually can give. A second lesson I'm learning. It's just very difficult to slow down. <laughs> after I give myself permission. I mean, we are. We live in an ecosystem of hurry. Do you know what I mean? We live in a system or in our culture that says speed up and that's better. We're we're culturally being brainwashed that fast is best. You know, there's explicit terms in our society that kind of allude to that. And they're kind of just, they're not just implied, they're explicit. They're express, quick, expedite, accelerate, turbocharge, chop, chop, on delay. Uh, I need the report yesterday. Hurry up. Those are, those are not implied. Those are in our grill. Those are right in front of us and high-speed devices As helpful as they are, they're luring us to think that faster is better. Fiber optics, you know, quicker upload and download speeds. I mean, who wants slow processing? Nobody does. Where do you get taught that it's bad to have slow processing? We're inundated. We are soaked in a culture of faster is better. Are you not convinced of that? I mean, such that when we encounter slow... Oh, it's like torture. Do you know what I mean? I mean, like from that movie scene from uh, Zootopia, Judy Hopps, she's a police officer, she's a rabbit, she's in the urban city of Zootopia, and she's going to go to the DMV, and she encounters that amazing DMV employee. Watch this scene. Flash is the fastest guy in there. You need something done, he's on it. I hope so, we are really fighting the clock and every minute counts. Wait, they're all slots? Are you saying that because he's a sloth, he can't be fast? I thought in Zootopia, anyone could be anything. Flash, Flash, 100-yard dash. Buddy, it's nice to see you. Nice to... see you... too. Hey, Flash, I'd love you to meet my friend. Uh, darling, I've forgotten your name. Hmm. Officer Judy Hopps, CPD, how are you? I am... doing... just... Fine. As well as I can be, hmm. what hang in there can I do? Well, I was hoping you could run a plate for you. Well, I was hoping you could today. Well, I was hoping you could, <laughs> well, hoping you could run a plate for us. We are in a really big hurry. Sure. What's the plate? Two nine T number. Oh. Two nine T H D 3 Two. Nine. T H D zero three. T. H D zero three. H. D zero three. Mm Mm-hmm. Zero, three. Zero. Three! Hey, Flash, wanna hear a joke? No! (laughs) Sure. Mm. What do you call a three-humped camel? I don't know. What do you call a... Three-humped camel. Three-humped camel. Pregnant. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, ah, uh, uh, ah. Yes, uh, very funny, very funny. Can we please uh, just focus on the text? Hey, oh, wait, wait, wait. Priscilla. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. Flash. What? <gasps> Do. You call a three humped camel. Uh, Pregnant! Okay, great. We got it. Please, humped. Here, yes, yeah, yeah. Hurry you, thank you. Two nights, THDs are three. Go. It's registered to Tundra Limo Service. To Godderton and the limos in Tundra Town. It's in Tundra Town! Way to hustle, bud. I love you. I owe you. Hurry. We gotta beat the rush hour in. It's night? <laughs> Sir, you were going 115 miles per hour. I hope you have a good explanation. Flash, Flash, 100-yard dash. Nick. Oh, man. What a great movie. What a fun movie. That is torturous, isn't it? Thanks for hanging in there. I wonder if God and Flash are cut from the same cloth, is my wondering. Uh, God just moves at a different pace. I mean, we want him to be at our pace, but he transcends hurry. He transcends our ecosystem that we are enculturated with today. God is above that. And I looked at what the Bible teaches us about slowing and just noticed a few things about his character and his pace. Here's just a few examples. Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. And everybody said, thank you, Lord. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord's not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any would perish and all would come to repentance. Just a few examples. God is slow. You okay with that? God is patient. You all right with that? God's pace can actually influence our pace if you're okay with that, and it means yielding and submitting to him. So here's my big idea for the message. Let me just put the cards out on the table so you know exactly where I'm going with this. Honestly, trying to process this, trying to be mindful of slowing. Reson- see if you resonate with this. I fill up on his grace when I slow down my pace. It's what I've been thinking about this. See if this resonates with you. I slow down my I fill up on his grace when I slow down my pace. Here's what I'm my thought is his pace and Grace are actually connected to our pace and our level of grace. And I'm learning this, that the depth of grace in my life is actually correlated to the pace of my life. I'm picking up on that. As we slow down, God refills our reservoir of grace so that grace can flow through us onto other people. Let me ask you a question. What do you think is the most precious commodity in your life today? Most precious commodity commodity in your life today? Oxygen? That'd be on the top of the list, I would say, wouldn't you, th- wouldn't you think? I wonder if time might be actually the most precious commodity from God. You and I have been given the privilege by God to steward something that he created, but is not dependent upon. He's not constrained by time. So he's allowing us to dictate some of that. God's not governed by time, he transcends time, He's above time, He's beyond time, and He's entered into time to be with you and me, and to be present with us, and to model for us a healthy pace in this place of time. Here's the point how well we steward our use of time is dependent upon how slow we can go. Slowing our pace can actually help us refill ourselves with His grace. And starts by spending time in God's presence in his timeless space. That's that's pretty countercultural to America, wouldn't you all agree? But remember, in God's kingdom, which is upside down, his inverted kingdom, our pace and God's grace are intimately connected. So I fill up on his grace when I slow down my pace. My reservoir of grace fills up when I slow down down the more time we spend with our timeless creator the more attached we are to him the more in sync we are with him as apprentices of jesus here's some things that we can learn from him and his pace when he was on earth john mark comer offers some insights here several of these jesus was never in a hurry if you look at his life through the gospels jesus did not let the fast pace of this world squeeze him into its mold his life was full, but not over full, that he couldn't be engaged by people. In fact, a second, a second lifestyle we can pick up from Jesus is that he expected interruptions. I mean, most of his teachings, if you look at his teachings, most of his teachings are done by people that have interrupted him. Remember the woman with the flow of blood? Do you remember the Roman centurion with his dying servant? Remember the man that was lame, lowered through the ceiling, through the roof? He was so present with those people at that moment, even when he was interrupted. And a third uh, thing that John Mark Comer highlights is Jesus reflected the character of God. When When God put skin on Jesus and was on the planet here, he actually reflected. He was the exact imprint of God, Hebrews teaches us. And so we reflect Jesus... When we are well-rested, when we are at peace, when we are in shalom with God. You know, a byproduct of hurry, it's not a good byproduct, but a byproduct of hurry is exhaustion. (laughs) When we overextend ourselves with this fast-paced life, saying yes to everything, something's going to give. Usually what gives is our connection with Jesus gives. It becomes a lower part of the priority. And therefore, as we deconnect, we don't reflect him. Our deconnection hampers our reflection of Him. And that's actually why we're here. Jesus was actually at His best with a slowed pace. We're at our worst when we consistently rush around. We're prone to temptation. We are impatient. We get angry. We make unwise decisions. John Mark Comer put it this way, love, joy, and peace are incompatible to a life of hurry. It's good insight, but when I slow down, I'm more apt to love. Have you picked up on that? For me, I don't yell as much at my wife. I'm a little more patient with my kids or my colleagues or with traffic. When I, I have a little more love quotient, I'm a little better. And I have joy. It's more present in my day. It's actually in my moment. And I have peace. So when I, I'm i not fretting about what's coming around the corner. I still do, but I'm able to have peace with that. And if I'm running late for an appointment, and there's anxiety there. I'm able to actually experience shalom in a matchless way. I fill up on his grace when I slow my pace. It's one thing I'm learning. Jesus defined a different kind of Pace, a kingdom pace, a Jesus paced life. And I don't know if we can continue to keep the pace of our day and at the same time live under Jesus' rule. I don't know if we can keep the pace of our day and actually say we're following Jesus the way we want to. Something's going to give. In fact, John Ortberg put it this way I cannot live in the kingdom of God with a hurried soul. Actually, slowing is soul care. So, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to not be like Judy Hops? Let's get things done. Why is it so hard when we get pressured to the pace of life? Why is it hard to align ourselves with Jesus and to slow our pace? Why? Well, let's see if we can begin to identify the problem. So, are you easily flustered when encountered by any sort of delay? <laughs> I heard one chuckle. Uh, do you count the cars in front of you and compulsively, repeatedly choose the line that you think is shorter and therefore faster? Anybody? Paloma Cantera Gomez wrote this. She said, achieving, performing better, and getting things done, it feels good and rewards our brain with a hit of dopamine. But when busyness tips over into a hurry sickness, she calls, our body, st- our body starts releasing the stress hormone cortisol, which can actually cause long-term depression. In a constant state of overstimulation, our minds make us feel tired and anxious and prone to irritability and unable to relax. Time's a finite source, she writes, and unfortunately, (laughs) non-renewable. We're obsessed with getting things done quickly, aren't we? Our boss is breathing down our neck. Time is short, work faster. But if we come... And compare our pace to the pace of Jesus' life, if you do an analysis of your pace compared to his, there aren't many similarities. You know, even Jesus, though he had an enormous mission to complete in a very short period of time, his disciple making of the 12 for those three years or so was never ever rushed, never microwaved, never expedited. We might believe our fast-paced lives bear a greater return, but Our hurried lifestyle can actually have some pretty serious downsides when it comes to a kingdom impact and kingdom goals and actually enfleshing the gospel. Some serious downsides with regards to discipling, making disciples. Some serious downsides with regards to our health. Have I convinced you? You're probably already convinced. I'm convinced. So what I want to do the rest of the message here is to highlight four hazards of a hurried life. Four hazards of a hurried life. I want to consider what a hurried life costs us. What's the price tag? And I've listed these four hazards around the acronym FAST, so we can try to remember that. I'm going to borrow some thoughts here to give credit here to Frank Powell, who wrote an article in a Relevant Magazine about a year ago on some of this, so borrowing some of his thoughts. Here's the first hazard. A hurried life fractures your relationship with God. A hurried life frays our life at the ends. It impedes our love relationship with God. Hurry rationalizes and hurry lies that I don't have enough time to sit with God. So let's see if we can think about this illustratively, thinking about last night and the the dinner date. Try try not slowing down when you're in love. Uh, Try not slowing down. Just give a passing nod to your date next time. Uh, Don't stop. Don't sit at the table. Order it to go and and not give much attention. And just listen and watch how long that relationship is going to remain healthy or, or deteriorate. Just watch. Fast pace and hurry destroys any relationship. It does. This way, but also with God. But when you're in love, man, you're trying to slow the clock down. You know what I mean? When you're in love, it's like, I want to seize this opportunity, this moment. We're trying to spend as much Time, and every minute when I'm in love, it's like, I don't want this day to go. Do you remember that? So you see that how that works. So it's the same with God. So sit with God on a date. <laughs> Turn your phone to do not disturb. Get lost in time with him anew. Analyze his face. Lean into his whisper. Would you say that again, Lord? Focus And be enraptured by Him. Hang on the splendor of every word. Like clay on a potter's wheel, be still and trust His hands. As God molds, as God shapes the contours of our lives to more closely remember or to resemble Jesus. He shapes us to be reflections of Jesus. But it requires, it's conditional upon slowing. Maybe even stopping. Intimacy with God requires stillness and attentiveness and silence, just like love. You must get off life's busy freeway. You got to get off your I-5 at some times to grow closer to God. What's your rush highway? What is that? Even when crowds pressed into Jesus for a good word or maybe for a healing, he oftentimes, you know this, he oftentimes withdrew to the deserted places. Why? Because he wanted to get off life's freeway for a little bit in order to stay intimately connected and to kind of hit the rest stops of life and to stay disciplined with his prayer and his solitude with the Father and actually produce a strengthening for him to stay mission-focused and have a mission impact. Um, English preacher Samuel Chadwick... He lived between 1860 and 1932. He said this, in that era, he said this, hurry is the death of prayer. C.S. Lewis, you like C.S. Lewis? He observed this, the very moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. (laughs) And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back, in listening to that other Voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other, larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. I love that. The God of our Bible is the source of that other that Lewis was talking about. We we can't hear his voice if we don't slow down long enough to listen. So maybe for the rest of this calendar year, or maybe a goal you might think of to start the next calendar year, let's let's work, let's be disciplined at being with. God in a quiet place with an undistracted mind. It takes practice. It's going to take some discipline. It's going to take some grit, some stick-to-itiveness. But just remember, hurry has some negatives. Hurry impedes our awareness to what the Holy Spirit is actually saying to us. Can't rush through this relationship with the Lord on a daily basis. Hurry hampers our ability to be honest with them you want to you want to hide things from god just rush through your date time with the lord every morning and you'll never ever have enough time to actually be real because then hurry will lead to a barrenness of your soul a real desert of your soul i like to think of it in this time of year hurry's like an nfl quarterback giving a straight arm to the lord as he's rushing down to the field to score an amazing touchdown for all the world to see stiff arming god the whole time who's trying to reach out and embrace Frank Powell put it this way, unless you spend extended periods of time alone with God through prayer and through solitude and Sabbath, the speed of the world will skew your understanding of God. Anxiety, unrest, and discontentment will hover over you like a dark storm cloud. Indeed, hurry, it fractures, it deteriorates our relationship with God. So listen, let's listen to Jesus for a minute. Listen to what Jesus says when he speaks about slowing. He says this in John 15, abide in me and I in you. Abide, the word abide here is a slowing word. The word abide literally means remain, camp out, rest, settle yourself. The word there means to move in and connect with a deep subterranean attachment. It means to be hidden. That's what the word abide means. So time spent with Jesus it imprints his likeness on us. And abiding with Jesus intentionally means yielding to him and not getting ahead of him. To follow him actually means to let him lead and letting him set the pace. In slowing and abiding we can get a better sense of who who Jesus is and what he thinks and how he feels and Abiding in Jesus empowers our relationships and empowers our relationships not just with him, but also with each other. At home, at work, abiding with Jesus dictates a lot of our relationship. Abiding produces an abundant overflow of grace that actually affects other people. So he says, abide in me and I in you, but he continues on, as the branch can't bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. A branch connected, attached to the true vine is in a position of complete dependence. The branch is in complete dependence for the nutrients that flow from the vine. I take supplements most every meal. Do you take some vitamins? This is like a spiritual supplement. Spiritual supplements. You know how they work. I don't feel amazing the next day because I took my supplements the night before. But I know a year later, my gut's doing better, and my mind's better, and my whatever issue is. Does that make sense? So you can't expedite even these. It's long-term fruitful benefit, abiding. And he says as he continues on, you know this, I am the vine. I'm the source. Y'all are the branches. He's, he is divine, isn't he? He's just eternal. He's divine, and we are the branches, He abides in me, and I in him, and he bears much fruit. For apart from me, apart, detached, separate from, on your own, with your own pace, you can do zilch, nada, nothing. So here's my logic. Check me on this. If abiding equals slowing, then slowing with Jesus means fruit bearing. And that is so countercultural. Slowing means productivity. We need His fuel. We need His nutrients or else we will flame out. So to remain or to abide in Christ actually defines you. He becomes your true identity. As you abide in Him, He becomes your source of confidence, not your pedigree, not your legacy, not your good looks, not what others say about your skills, It's abiding in God that deepens true roots in the soil of Jesus. And when you're subterraneanly attached to Jesus deep, then fruit, good fruit, God fruit grows on the branches of our life. Slowing nourishes our relationship with God. It gives us capacity to love God well and be loved by His grace. I fill up on His grace when I abide or slow my pace. That's the first letter in the acronym FAST. Here's the second hazard to a hurried life. A hurried life avoids your need to love others. You, your increased speed of life allows you to avoid loving people. It kind of gives a false license to not meet people's needs. I'm way too busy. Someone else can do it. You're, the more you increase your speed of life, the less capacity you have to actually love others. I've seen this in my own life. Hurry becomes an insulation Hurry can insulate yourself so people can't get close. Uh, Some actually feel safe from others by being in a hurry. Hurry can make us look important, more important than maybe what we really are to others. But but hurry feeds this appetite of loneliness. Hurry has a byproduct that's not healthy. It gives the impression to others, you're way too busy and all along, you're dying on, on an island of solitude. Abiding with Jesus means abiding with the community of Jesus. I love the community of Jesus that I feel here in this church. I love this. Abiding with Jesus is a part of the community of Jesus to give love to one another and actually learn how to receive love when you need it. For me and my wiring, just the way I am, I move through my day pretty swiftly. I, I relate to Judy Hops more than Flash. <laughs> uh, I move pretty quickly, but not so fast. I'm learning. I'm learning that to purpose space in my day. I'm learning to walk slower across the campus. I'm learning to insert space when I, I can intentionally be available and interact with students or with staff. I'm learning to have my door open more often in my office to be available, even interrupted. So I think there can be a bit of a balance. I think we can balance out moving quick on purpose and at the same time intentionally slowing ourselves for others. I think we can find a balance there. For example, Apostle Paul. Let's use him as an example. He was driven. Apostle Paul was on mission. I'm sure he had outcome-based initiatives, key performance indicators, goals, objectives. I'm sure he was a 100K elite status frequent flyer member. I'm sure he had points in his hotels, in his rental car. I know he's a busy, busy guy speaking everywhere. But for Paul, slowing and busyness were not in collision. They were not at odds in his life. Paul was able, though he was driven and on fire, he was able to be fully present with people. He seemed to never be too fast or rushed. I think because he began to anticipate things pretty well in order to maximize his time, because he was able to slow and be with. Case in point, look at what he says in First Thessalonians chapter 2. So, being affectionately desirous of you all, We, that would be Paul and some of his apprentices, his cohort, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of Christ, but also our own selves, because you'd become very dear to us. Be ready to share vulnerably themselves? Wow. That takes time to be safe and to be vulnerable. But Paul was fully present and focused on giving undistracted attention. Have you been in certain meetings where you've been with somebody who who hasn't been fully present? Ever had those appointments? At a coffee shop, they're, they're like reacting to their phone, trying to fake focus on you. I think they're like looking for the door. It's like, man, don't waste my time. Have you been there? I recall one executive though, a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, who actually paused his life to share himself with me I was his second appointment one day. We'd meet on occasion, mentoring opportunities. At five in the morning, I was his second appointment. He already had a phone call to Italy. And he says, Derek, I got 45 minutes. And he turned his phone over and he just focused on me. Here's a guy who's in high demand around the world. Gave me 45 of his minutes. Didn't glance once at his wrist. Paul was purposed like that with the gospel, but he allowed space in his schedule to focus on people um, to be with. I have to work at that. That's a hardship for me, to be honest with you. Slowing enables us to have compassion, though. Slowing enables me to actually care about you, to become a conduit, possibly, of grace in the lives of others. I fill up on grace to give to others when I slow down my pace. Here's a third hazard. Following our acronym F.A.S.T., a third hazard, a hurried life desensitizes you to injustices. It desensitizes us to injustices. It numbs, a hurried life deadens, a hurried life causes indifference to human injustices. When we move through our life pretty quickly through freeway speed, it's it's kind of difficult to focus on or to attend to those who are off in the ditches of the highway, who are who are in the margins of life. When we're going, it's kind of hard to give them focus because it's a blur, and we can become desensitized or, or unaware of brokenness in the world. Our hearts can become calloused to the things that break God's heart. Broken families, broken marriages... Social and racial inequalities break his heart. The global refugee crisis, especially during times of war in different nations, breaks his heart. Abortion of the innocent, the sex slave industry, all, all that stuff just breaks his heart. We, hurry can desensitize us and can harden us and create apathy within us as we entertain ourselves. And we miss the stuff that really breaks God's heart. Kirk Jones put this, puts it this way, hurry is a desensitizer snuffing out moments of intimacy with life to the point that we get used to living day after day with little deep feeling. Jesus' pace of life, however, allowed his heart to break for injustice. He was getting things done, but he was slowed enough to, he he had his heart break for, he would feel for the oppressed. He would give attention to help. Slowing gives us space to empathize with people, victims of injustice, Christians being unjustly maligned or mistreated or persecuted, people living with no hope. If our heart doesn't break with the things that breaks God's hearts, it's time to slow down and to consider the world outside of our own self-absorbed lane that we're running in. Slowing opens our eyes, is what I'm saying. Slowing down kind of opens our eyes to ungodly injustices around us and to get ticked off of the things God gets ticked off of and have a heart broken for the things that break God's heart. It opens our eyes. Grace compels us to care with the heart of God. Okay, here's the fourth hazard. A hurried life traps you in a self-focused purpose. A hurried life traps you into a self-focused, Focused purpose. Keep you thinking what we do matters most. Frank Powell put it this way: God's idea of purpose isn't about doing, it's about becoming. God's idea of purpose in our life isn't about doing, it's about becoming. God's purpose is to conform us to the likeness of Jesus. You know the world, the world all around us is saying, hey, just do you do you. But Jesus along, he, he's like saying, Hey, why don't you do me? <laughs> The process of becoming like Christ happens only by slowing and making space to sit and be as we go and do. Slowing frames us in his purpose. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying slowing down so you can binge watch over Netflix more. I'm not saying slowing down so you mismanage your sleep and you stay up all night playing Fortnite. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about those are traps, those are lies. I'm, I'm talking about slowing with Christ by being still and silent when everything is fully awake in your brain, in your heart, giving him the best moments at times. I heard, this, I heard the story of a scientist, a scientist who needed some time away from people to focus. Uh, he liked to fish off the dock in his backyard. He had a pond in his backyard. He liked to go on the dock and fish. The rule was, if you ever see the scientists on the dock, do not disturb him. That was a rule. All along, uh, he had no hook on the line. (laughs) The line's in the water. He didn't even want the fish to disturb him as he's processing experiments and trying to reflect. So likewise, making undistracted space for slowness changes our focus gives us our perspective on his purposes. John Ortberg talks about the discipline of slowing, the spiritual discipline, the spiritual practice of slowing. Here's what he says. The spiritual practice of slowing is this, cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place yourselves in a position where you simply have to wait. That sounds horrible. <laughs> That's why it's called a Discipline. Or a practice, and in waiting, we grow in our reliance upon him. So notice, I realize how hard this can be in seasons of life. I get this. Nursing newborns, chasing toddlers, driving and taxiing teenagers. So wherever you are in your season of life, stay there because you're going to have a new season coming. Maybe you can practice some of this a little bit more. Do what you can right now, but here's the eternal irony of this. The more time we spend with God, Delighting in him, He seems to expand our day with a 25th hour. Have you experienced that? The more time we spend with him, it's almost like in order to execute his desires, he like adds to our day so we can actually do the more time I invest, the more time actually we are given by him to steward his purposes. It's an eternal irony. So consider some intentional practices, some, some things to do to slow down your body, your mind. Here's a few things to cultivate patience, to cultivate waiting. Take the longer line at Home Depot, at Whole Foods. Uh, drive to the restaurant with the longest line out the door today. Uh, second, drive the speed limit. Uh, I'm, my wife calls me a competitive driver. <laughs> uh, No, officer, I wasn't speeding. I was qualifying. (laughs) That doesn't fly. (laughs) Maybe consider setting your alarm 15 minutes earlier so that you break the habit of getting out of bed and looking at your emails on your phone or opening up uh, news 15 minutes earlier just to create a morning margin with your maker. 15 minutes where you do nothing what you usually do in looking up the news or checking your newsfeed. My son, Dane, lives in Colorado. He likes coffee, and he's practicing the pour-over method of coffee where you grind the beans and you get the certain amount of ounces, And, and he's got the cool chem lab sort of a thing, and he's pouring hot water over it. He said this, I want to learn to wait for the Lord as I start my day. He's 30-something teaching pops about spiritual practices. Or maybe you need to practice a spiritual Sabbath after a week or a season of pretty intense, diligent work where you actually take some time off not to play, but take some time off where you turn everything off to actually just be with Him. Here's some benefits for this, I think. There's There's some benefits for slowing down, soul care, your mental and spiritual and emotional, emotional health is earning the balance. So slowing down actually truly begins to release God's sovereign control over your day. Another benefit is decompression. Maybe you're in a high compressed life. You don't know it until you slow down and less stress creates space for you to think God's thoughts. I think the challenge is I'm going to be less productive, but there's the lie. Slowing actually dissipates fear. I think slowing down with Jesus dissipates the fear of failure or the fear of comparison or the fear of, uh, am I going to impress that person? We, we live by that. It dissipates fear such that we begin to feel less guilty to have seasons of little accomplishment. To feel guilt, less guilt about, I didn't get much done during, during that season. He's the vine, he'll grow the fruit. He'll grow the productivity. Now, your boss may not like that, so there's the trick. We're living in this American fast-paced culture, but the benefit is we might be freer. Oh, there are seasons I, get, he, I didn't get much done, but he's getting everything done at his own pace. You can also become more eternally mindful as I control time. I form a stronger, eternal perspective. I look at my family. I look at my wife through an optic of eternity. I look at my kids through an e- through an optic. I look at my neighbors through a lens of eternity as I slow down. I spend more time praying to Him on their behalf. Jesus-paced people are just in less of a hurry. Jesus-paced people are not slaves to the clock. Waiting patiently for the Lord, scheduling time with God allows us to conform to His purposes. All right, so I've been using the acronym FAST. Let's contrast Fast with slow. Let's flip the coin over. So, if, if hurry fractures our relationship with God, slowing strengthens our capacity to love God. If hurry allows us to avoid loving people, then slowing actually helps us learn how to be with people. If hurry numbs or desensitizes us, Slowing will open our eyes to confront injustices with God's righteous justice. And if slowing or if hurrying traps us into self-centered living, then slowing helps us wait as God conforms us to his passions. Jesus had such a great wisdom to live out both going and slowing, you know? He had this going and slowing thing down. He he will definitely help you and me with our pace. Jesus was busy about the Father's business. He had a lot to do, yet there there doesn't seem to be any indication in Scripture that he ever rushed through anything. Because Jesus spent time with his Father in a place of intimacy, with a slowed pace, Jesus lived a full life. A full life, a life of truth and grace to the full. And from his fullness... We have received grace upon grace and blessing upon blessing. I fell up on His grace as I slow myself to His pace. Let me wrap this up. Maybe you remember Danny Herod, my colleague at the Boise Bible College. He's been here for missions, um, fairs and mission events. He's our missions professor. A couple of years ago, um, Danny had a pretty serious heart issue um, should have died medically, but something happened, and he, he was right in the presence of an of a expert physician, and, and his heart was out of sync. That was the problem. And so through all of that, he now has a pacemaker in his chest, and he's doing really well. We have golfed this fall. Uh, he used to be a runner. He's a fast-paced walker now. He's doing really well. Pacemaker's helping him. He said this to me. Derek, every beat... I experience His grace. I love that. Today's worship gathering provides space. It serves as a pacemaker to regulate our heart rate, to breathe and to commune with Jesus and let His authority and His presence recalibrate our hearts with His. How about if we pray? Jesus, if we're honest, this idea of slowing down is so hard. Some of us are slowing down in ways that we wish we didn't have to. Some of us are at a high high fast pace and we're praying, Lord, that you would meet us where we are. But we know ultimately we've got to slow down to connect with you. Thanks for recalibrating our heart with your presence and your grace. Thank you for not giving up on us. And thank you for being available when we slow enough to connect with you. You are our vine, and we find everything of life in you, Jesus. Bless this church to make a gospel impact as, it, as each person in the family works through this discipline and practice of slowing. Pray the gospel will be seen in a real way because of the pace that's manifested through each person. Your pace, Jesus. So in your name we pray that. We invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.